1: Fly
2: 0 4 5
1: You're listening to the Out of Home Podcast.
2: Are oh, you locked into the Out of Home Podcast? You're listening to the Out of Home Podcast, featuring Kieran, Kwame, Yaf and Stephen. You London boys are crazy.
1: Welcome to Forever Forwards. Throughout the month of October, which is Black History Month in the UK and Black Achievement Month here in the Netherlands, we'll be sharing conversations that we've had with a few dope guests tapping into their experiences of living, working and thriving as a black person in society. For us, we really wanted to use these conversations to celebrate the progressive mindset of the black community and champion some of those people who are trailblazing in their specific fields. Our next guest is Olivia Smart, an assistant TV producer hailing from Nottingham but now residing in London. Olivia specialises in factual entertainment and has worked on a wide range of primetime shows including the reality show The Circle, The Great British Bake Off and the Pride of Britain Awards. Her endeavours have not gone unnoticed, having recently been announced as one of the top thirty ones to watch in the TV industry by the Edinburgh TV Festival. Again, this is a dope conversation and we hope you guys enjoy it. Yeah. How? Huh? But what do you mean?
2: I'm the
1: piss. Oh my days, this is going to be a long one now, um, It's
2: going to be hilarious. We're going to have a wave of time. We've got a little a bit of oestrogen amongst all this testosterone oh my God. that's flying <laughs> about.
0: Huh?
2: I'm here bringing the balance, so we're all good.
1: All right, then let's start. Let's go, let's go. Welcome to the Out of Home Podcast, a show brought to you by four Londoners living in Amsterdam, capturing and sharing stories of inspiring people whilst telling our own with me in the building, or not swipe the building, i got Amanda, I got Mandem. I've got Stephen, I've got Yaf, I've got Kwame. And joining us today is a very, very, very special guest. A friend of mine, originating from the Midlands. You'd not you'd never know, you'd never know. Nottingham. She now resides in London. She is an assistant producer working on some of the best shows in London, in the UK, in the world. Um, And she was just... Was it nominated or selected to be one to watch by the Edinburgh TV Festival? It is one to watch. (laughs) It is none other than my girl Olivia Smart. What are we saying?
3: Yes, Liz.
2: Welcome, welcome to be welcome. here. Yeah. That was a lovely introduction. I loved it. I was You're welcome.
1: You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. You deserve it, man. You deserve it. I mean, it's been a long time coming. We're very glad to have you here. I see that you've, um, you know, just up a little. a little bit for it. not joking. <laughs> I'm joking. i joking. But how are you, man? How are you? How are you?
2: Tired. Tired. Yes. Uh, Why? Working a lot. Working a lot. Working a lot. I... I Last week, um, we had Piers Morgan's Life Stories, so I just finished shooting that. Um, which will be coming out in January, February, my ep. Um, and then this week, no break, go on to tonight. It used to be Tonight with Trevor McDonald. Uh-huh. Um, and we're doing, one of the episodes we're doing is a Black History special. So we've been shooting that all this week, working from home today. And then in Bristol, shooting again with Alex Beresford and Colin Jackson. Tomorrow
1: morning at nine AM. So it's more no responding So you have been well, hella busy, booked and busy as you would like to. Booked say, and
2: like. busy, but I'm not <laughs> complaining. Like no, I'm can't. legit not complaining.
1: You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. You gotta keep it, you gotta keep it moving. Um, but live, listen, look. We're, this is our second installment of um, Forever Forwards. You are our second guest, well, third guest if you include Abdul Nkosi. And, and um, we just wanted to talk to you about how things are moving. In the black community, um, you are one of our shining lights in the TV industry, um, absolutely killing shit. And we just wanted to like, you know, speak to you about your experiences, how you got to where you are. Um, so without um without taking up too much time myself, I'd love for you to just um talk to us about you, man, where you came from, how you got to where you are, how you are now an assist an AP assistant, a producer. You know, um, was it on Great British Bake Off, uh, Dr. Ran, John Cole. What else was you on? Um,
2: I've done Pride of Britain.
1: Pride of Britain.
2: I did the first series talk of The shit, Circle. Talk, talk, talk your shit, oh, girl. Talk talk. No, yeah, I've, I've done a few bits, to be fair. Yeah, man. But I started, well, I started off, I did biomedical science at uni.
3: Wow. wow. Which uni? Well, uni did you go to?
2: Kingston, it's a bit of a shithole, isn't it? I don't know if I'm supposed Ooh. to say that. Hey, <laughs> South, South West, come on now. No, come Kingston's on. a nice area, but the uni's a little bit mm. questionable. I don't, know. I, don't, I don't
1: really know about that university.
2: <laughs> yeah, so I did biomedical science. I was going to be a doctor. Um, I did the med school exams. Um, I failed the first time. Um, I was going to do it the second time round. And then we got like a Tory government. Um, and to get into medical you've got to do like 60 to 120 hours worth of like voluntary service. So I was like working wow. in a I was working as a paramedic at the time, like trying to get my hours in. Um, and then I just realised like doctors were just so immensely unsupported mm. um, within, you know, kind of the NHS. And for the hours that they were working, they basically were getting paid minimum wage. And I was like, do I really want to do this? Mm. Um, and then I obviously I had a biomedical science degree. So I didn't, I was thinking about that and I didn't want to work in a lab all day. I thought that'd be really boring. I wanted to be around people. And um, then I got a job at the Shard as a hostess. So I worked in the Shard for a bit and um, finished at the Shard. I did a bunch of like unpaid internships, like in events. I worked in like fashion, um, all very bitchy, didn't really like them. Mm. And then...
3: What was that in fashion?
2: Yeah, I did. Oh. I worked for, um, in fact, let me not tell the company, but I worked <laughs> in fashion yeah. Um, and then <laughs> after that, I was like, oh, in, the, in, the, in my spare time, I was applying for jobs at, in TV. And I bumped into a friend, I say a friend, we're not friends anymore, but I bumped into someone that got into TV. And I said to her, like, how did you get into TV? Like, how do I get a job? And she was like, oh, you just apply on the BBC website. Mm. So I was applying on the website for like researcher roles, which I now know I legit was never going to get because I had no experience. (laughs) And then I thought, oh, she's lying. Like, there's got to be a bit more to it. So I went on a LinkedIn profile and I basically found out that she'd gone on this scheme, like this diversity scheme called the Mamma Youth Project. Mm. So I applied to the Mamma Youth Project, um, didn't get it. They basically were like, you're good, but come back next year. Um, and I just yeah. basically said, right, I've got to do something else. So I literally sat and watched TV and I'd wait till the credits, I'd write down the company and then I'd send them wow. an email. Wow. And I sent 400 emails out, what? like wow. all the different production companies. Nobody replied Sorry to me. To Nobody real. would get back to me. I was like, I've got to do something. So like, I just kept sending emails, like did my internships in the meantime. And then someone finally got back to me and was like, do you want to come in for an interview? And I was like, yes. Yes got there and it was like a black woman called moira who i basically owe my entire career to and she basically said like you can come in we don't have a runner job for you but we've got a job as a pa and obviously i was like i've got a biomedical science degree Like i've been to uni Mm. i'm not gonna be a pa like Mm. what and she was like listen if you want to get into tv take this job quickly
1: quickly quickly, i said so i said fine before you go on yeah could you just say, like, could you explain what the difference, what, what what a runner and a PA is for anyone that's listening that doesn't understand?
2: Yeah, so, like, PA is, like, personal assistant. So, like, you're a PA to some, like, to an exec or a head of a division or whatever, or head of a company. Mm. And then runner is, like, the ground level of TV. So runners effectively do exactly what the title is. They run. Mm. So they get, like, teas and coffees. They assist talent, you know any bits and bobs that need to be done they do like the, the lunch run etc you yeah. know so i was so i got the pa job yeah. and then through taking that job as a pa um it's a foot into the company so i yeah. then kind of learned how tv works and which ways to navigate because what people don't realize is there's two sections to tv there's editorial which is kind of like runners research assistant producers more the creatives and then there's production, which is like all the logistics, managing the money, managing the budgets and making sure things happen. Um, and quickly in TV, you have to decide a route because it's very hard to cross over once you've decided one. Oh, wow. Yes.
1: Yeah. No, I found that really interesting when you told me that at that time as well, man. It's crazy. Why Why is that?
2: Um just because the roles are completely different. So like if you're, so first they put from runner in editorials of researcher. So researchers will be like researching the programs, like finding guests, that kind of thing, like support. And then the first other step up is production secretary, who would be booking travel, booking hotels, sorting out oh, the logistics. Okay, okay. They wouldn't really touch money until you kind of get to like a PM level because you're managing like an entire budget of a program. So for example, a cheap program to make is about, and I mean, shoestring budget, you're looking at about 50K.
3: 50k yeah. for one for one per or for a series
2: one
4: episode one episode wow. that's sh- shoestring
2: that's shoestring that's tight
3: and what are those what are like the large amount of those costs attributed to is it all like production, production
2: and equipment, equipment and, and that sort of stuff so your 50k will con. it will make up kind of staff wages it will make up any hotels that need to be booked Mm. uh, location fees because you have to pay a location fee if you're filming somewhere it will be kit hire of like cameras because we've got to hire all the cameras soundies um any kind of, if I've got to pay a contrib, for example, if I'm getting a celebrity guest, I'll have to pay them a fee as well. Mm. So your 50K will basically encompass kind of everything. And the job of the production manager, which is the senior level of production, is to make sure that show comes under budget. Yeah, 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 yeah. okay. okay, So, as at production secretary level, obviously they're not going to let you touch a budget because you're still relatively new. It's only when you go up that they're going to start letting you kind of manage like cost books and making sure that you know everything's all right. So, anyway, took this job as a PA, Mm. um, did that. It was super super hard because I was a PA to like four managing directors, which is way too much work. Wow, um, but that allowed me to get my first runner job, Mm. um, and then because I got my first a job there, TV's about who you know. So the PM liked me on that. And then the PMs all move around because we're all freelancers. We're all self-employed. Okay. Um, and then when she moved, she'd take me with her. And then the jobs kind of came from there.
3: Mm. How long yeah, was you a, a PA for, Liv?
2: Um, I'm sure my age now, aren't I? Um, I was a no. PA for, I did it quite quick. I'm going to be honest, right? Do not yeah. judge my career journey. I have done it relatively quickly not because I'm exceptional. Don't or lie. I've cheated. I've genuinely just worked really hard.
3: You're so I
2: was so I was a PA for about five, six months. Wow. So I've kind of done runner to AP in three years, which is quite quick in the TV industry. Usually you're a wow. researcher for like one to two years, AP three to sometimes five years wow. before you can then
3: move up to producer. Doing so your team, man. Yeah, trust. That's and And um, quick question, Liv, because like, I feel like there's a lot of people who get to that point that you spoke about, about being, you know, like a bit confused, not necessarily knowing where you want to navigate in life. But you said you was doing all these different jobs, like from working to the shard to working in fashion. And then you kind of transitioned and got this idea of TV in your head. Like, what, what was it about First of all, how did you finally land on what you wanted to do and pursue as a career? And then how did you know that was the thing? Because, you know, to send four hundred emails to go through all of the, you know, like the the tiring work that you did, which now would be pretty easy because you can just there's on demand TV, you just scroll to the end and, and and go to the credits. Like how did you how did you know that was your thing? And then what gave you the sort of the energy to really pursue that as your as your choice? I always
2: wanted to work in TV. It's always been like a passion of mine, but I just didn't I didn't know how to get in, like, mm. and obviously I went to my so-called friend and asked them and, you know, people didn't want to plug you. People didn't want to help you. And you, once you get into TV, you realise every single person that's got in, their uncle's got an aunt who worked somewhere yeah. or their dad is a manager somewhere. So for me, I take a real pride in the fact that I literally got in on my own. Most oh, people mm-hmm. have got in through a scheme or they've known somebody or there's been a neighbor's neighbours that's known somebody. Um... In terms of, like, what I wanted to do, like, you know, I've known Karen in a while. He knows me. Like, I don't know is not a thing. Like, I don't really give up. It's just you make it work. You know, if you really want something, you'll make it work. So for me, it was like, Thanks. well, there's, you know, let's say there were 700 companies. I've sent 400 emails. There's 200 left. One's going to want to give me a job. And then if that was failing... I was ready to turn up with my CV and go, you know, door to door. You know, (laughs) for me, it was, yeah, it was, it was one of the things that I tried everything. I always wanted to do TV and it's like, for me, where there's a will, there's a way. Like if nobody was going to reply to my emails, I was going to walk door to door and somebody was going to take pity on me.
4: So Liv, like, um, at Bernard's Watch, you just want to take it back a sec. Um, and you spoke about like not knowing exactly, um, what roles were out there or what was available. And I think we've spoken about it on the podcast. I think that's a really uh, important point is that when, and I don't know if it's something uh, particular to our community, but like I I hear that a lot about uh, people not knowing exactly what's out there for them. Like even you talking about the roles within TV, like a lot of people just don't even know about that. How big a thing do you think it is? Like just people not knowing different types of jobs or what they could be doing or thinking that they have one path Uh, To do something
2: I think you know what it is I think it's getting a lot easier Because we've got you know Like creatives like us That talk about their journeys And talk about you know What they do Um, And it's kind of Somewhat also like Doing the the research Like you know uh, What's his name Noel Clark Is like a huge advocate for it um, All the time Because he constantly says Like People don't realise that there are so many things in TV you can do. Like, there's loud, there's lighting guys, there's sound men, there's there's floor managers, you know, there's people in the gallery, there's there's something to, with whatever skill you are, like, if you're a carpenter, you can build the set for a stage for something, where, like, Piers Morgan, like, there is a job for every single skill set you've mm. got behind the scenes in TV. Like, there's makeup artists, there's hairdressers, like everybody can work in tv and there's a job for your skill set but i don't think it's advertised that there are this many people behind the screen and there are Mm -hmm. this many other jobs so Mm -hmm. like for every production that's made you know you've got 40 50 people behind the scenes that have made that look good and have got Mm. that to screen
1: but Liv, do you know what i I would say though and i think i I was reading it maybe a couple of weeks ago it was when you were on uh, um ones to watch um and basically David was saying Um david Olusoga, right on he was basically saying how um the the schemes that are set up for people to come into t v that you're not paid to do it, so like people that are in less fortunate situations or lower income families they actually can't go and do these these things so um yes, they might be um there might be Opportunity for people to be on sets and doing lighting and all of these things, but people don't know because even at the lowest level, they can't even get in to understand what those are available in in the TV. So, what what would you say like about that, and and how 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 does that how does that ladder ladder up into like going for something in TV?
2: I mean, I can't deny it. Like TV is is a place of privilege because Mm -hmm. we're freelancers. If you're so, for example, let me just put it into perspective, money wise. If you are a runner a runner's day rate is about £120. And you might get booked for four days, you might get booked for three days, you might get two weeks, and it will be sporadic, you know? And you don't know when your next job's coming in. Mm. And you have to manage that, you know? So you do have to have a support network, you know, behind you, so that if you only have got three jobs that month, you've got the support and the backing behind. Now, what the TV industry are trying to do is they're trying to create that support network whereby when they're taking on talent, as a runner, they're saying, right even we've got this production and even though we don't have a production straight away we know something's coming in the bag so what we're going to do is we're going to find something for you to do in that gap of three weeks before that Mm -hmm. next thing comes on so that we can keep you and so that we can retain that talent but you know it's a process you know it's not going to happen overnight and it is you know you do have to have parents to support you and family to support you you know I'd be lying to you if I said you know if you're you know financially struggling that tv is the industry for you absolutely not it is hard but you know i think people know that and i think people know that if we're going to get diverse talent into the industry we need to put effort and we need to put money behind it to make sure that it is affordable and it is accessible but Mm. you know for a long time it hasn't been
3: Mm. you just spoke about diverse talent you actually kind of segued nicely into where i was going to go um and you mentioned all those different jobs like i didn't even think about everything you just mentioned about makeup to set design and all, sorry, set build and all this stuff. Like how diverse at the moment from your perspective and your experiences is the TV industry? And oh, look, we're not calling anyone out here, but we're just, you know, telling the truth, right? Like how, how diverse is it at the moment?
2: I mean, I don't want to laugh. <laughs> you know what it is?
3: The laugh says it all. <laughs> this is about to be a mad response, bro.
2: <laughs> you know what it is? I really don't want to be negative. I don't. I don't. Because, I'm fully aware that, you know, there are people that look at me, you know, and go, oh, she's done it. I can, you know, and I don't want to go, oh, there's only space for me. There's space for us all. And I think it's important. Um, But how diverse is it? So easiest way to explain it is I've been in the TV industry for three years. On every single show I have worked on in three years, I have been the only black person bar two. Wow.
3: And how many shows have you worked on, would you say, Roughly.
2: 20 maybe. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. Mm. So what happened basically with Black Lives Matter is there was this thing that got created which was basically called um the Bane TV society where kind of they created kind of a Facebook group and like all kind of like black asian minority ethnics kind of all joined um and they kind of created a letter that they basically wrote to all of the major broadcasters and what was requested in the letter was that they said that they believe that um Each TV production that is made should have a minimum of at least 20% ethnic diversity on it. But the fact that we're asking for 20% and they're not even hitting 20% right now says all that we need to say.
3: Shows the scale of the problem. That's actually mad. And like, because we, of course, like we're, we're kind of um, talking about something and TV is very, TV drives a narrative, right? A lot of people kind of get their perceptions and opinions from a narrative. And when we were speaking to, to Abdul and Equesti, they were, you know, very vocal about it. And there's not enough diversity now. But what do you think the benefit would be once, you know, we we start as a base on that 20% quota and then start to build from there? Like, what do you think, as viewers, as consumers, will start to see from the TV industry once it gets a little bit more diverse? I think we
2: we'll start to see stories and narratives that are reflective of. You know, you'll see yourself on screen, you'll see things that you relate to. You know, that's key. I think the prime example that everybody's kind of using this year is Michaela Cole. Michaela Cole got the opportunity to write her own narrative, she got to direct it. The BBC supported her. Obviously, it was expensive to make, so it was a co production with HBO. So it went out on HBO and BBC. And it just proves that when you give you know, creatives control over their content. I mean, I don't know how many of you have seen I May Destroy You, but it was brilliant. I'm
1: I'm walking walking through it. I literally got to episode six the other day and got on my Twitter and tweeted her like, yo, listen, this is, we need to talk because... Really? Yeah, like the the episode episode six for me was like a mind-blowing piece of realisation of what I could do with like TV. It was crazy. Wow. Yeah, proper. Proper.
2: It's brilliant. If you have not seen it, you need to watch it
1: yeah I recommend it, it highly yeah, man,
5: yeah.
2: it's definitely I'd say it's one of the best dramas we've made this year 100% wow. Wow. hands Without, down hands down
1: I'm not even finished it yet and I'm like wow like every episode I, I, I finish it and look at ankita and I'm like wow that was incredible like like speechless at the end of each each episode
2: well, a bit of right. background for it just before you obviously watch it, yes, because you haven't seen it, is basically it's it's somewhat inspired by her own life. So what happened was when she was making Chewing Gum for a TV production company, um, there was a night where she took a day off and she actually got raped, um, oh. unfortunately. Um, and she had to push the episode of Chewing Gum back um, by an ep, um, but they never actually explained to the channel why she needed that extra time to make it. They never actually explained that. Um, And then what happened was she then created I May Destroy You, basically influenced by what she had experienced herself Um, when she was making chewing gum, which makes it even more powerful.
1: Yeah, that's crazy, man.
2: Wow.
3: And yeah, I I just think like um, there there is an opportunity at the moment, right, around diversity. And I think a lot of companies, a lot of industries are starting to see it. So hopefully we start to see some change. And hopefully actually a lot of people now look at you as someone who's I guess, sort of paving a bit of a way and showing a little bit of how it can be done as
2: well, right? I mean, you know, hopefully, every you know every single show that I work on, if I see somebody that's of colour, I will always say to them, you know, are you happy? Like, how are things? Do you need any help? Do you want any contacts? Because for me, you know, I struggled every step of the way. Every single job I got, I had to fight for, you know, nothing was handed to me. So I know how difficult it is and I know how important allyship and, and support is. Um, and I think one thing that's really good is um, I've got a fr- well, a friend of a friend has now been commissioned to basically make another drama, um, which hopefully is being currently, p- it's been commissioned and it's supposed to be made um, and is meant to be basically the English version of Insecure. So wow. hopefully, you know,
0: wow. I
2: don't know if, it's, if they're going to pull it, but I do know it's been commissioned. Can't that's say which good. channel, obviously, um, but they're supporting <laughs> it. They're fully backing it. And, you know, hopefully that will get made. and. I know that commissioning are really stepping in the direction to start commissioning more diverse talent and giving more black creatives that opportunity.
3: Sick. And um, just one last question on the TV thing for me, and this just comes from a place of curiosity. Um, TV for me...
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com weightloss weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
3: Like, as someone who is on my phone most of the time, although I hate it, and in front of a laptop right now, It seems to be a medium that is kind of, I don't know, I I won't say kind of falling apart, but to the average person, everything's digital now. So like how, what is that future of the TV industry and how is it starting
2: to shift and evolve? Um, It's a difficult question because basically the success of TV, the way that we work is we will put an episode out. And then we'll look at the numbers. So we'll look at the number of people that have watched it and that will deem whether it was a success or not. Okay. Um, BBC are moving into a different model now where they've acknowledged that actually BBC iPlayer makes um, a relative role. So what we have is we have like ratings and then we have what we call consolidated ratings. So consolidated ratings are people that have kind of watched it on catch up. So now what BBC is starting to do is they're now rolling things out alongside BBC, but with iPlayer in a similar format to Netflix where... They will launch something, but they will put maybe the whole series on BBC iPlayer. So what they're doing is rather than looking at the actual numbers that have tuned in on that particular day, they're looking at the consolidated ratings and giving it a longer time on iPlayer to get the numbers before they go, actually, it was a flop. Mm -hmm. Channel 4, ITV currently, ITV Player and Channel 4 currently, they're not really rolling it out in a similar manner to BBC from what I know. Uh, Netflix. Netflix is a difficult one because as consumers, you say Netflix is hugely successful um, mm-hmm. and you go, Netflix is amazing because Netflix has got money. But what people don't actually realise is Netflix functions in the red. They don't actually make yeah, a profit. Yeah, yeah.
3: They spend a lot of money on licence, right? They're just trying to get data. They're just paying for data.
2: Clever business model because effectively, if you currently, if you continue to pay loads of money and you continue to make content, eventually you will become the lead player in the industry, and the rest of your competition will fall away. So at that point, you will start making a profit. Um, Mm -hmm. But one, well, a company that I think people do need to kind of watch out for that they're not at the moment is Amazon. So Amazon has currently been, um, is being chaired uh, by Georgia, um, and she is a huge advocate for diversity. Um, She's really pushing the diversity, and she's currently building her Amazon team In the various different genres of TV. Um, And I think from what, from talking to her, like they've just commissioned a, it's going to be coming out soon. It's like drill. So it's like a drill poetry kind of series that's Mm. coming out. So Amazon are really stepping on kind of unknown territory that other people aren't. And they're really taking risks. So I do think Amazon's one to watch and that people are sleeping on at the moment. And
4: then, Lou, from like a, Technology point—that's like super interesting to see, like the evolution. Uh, but what would you say from a content point of view? Because I remember, like, I've seen like the shows I grew up watching, um, and then I compare it to like the content that we see today. And obviously, there's different. I think we, we had like Moesha, we had like Keenan and Kel, we had some things, and then we had um, we had like Grange Grange Hill, I which I realised that
0: screw. Yeah,
4: In In (laughs) the tune. Orange soda was a thing. I I would demand that every time I came back from school for no reason. But um, it's just interesting to see like the way what we grew up with and the portrayal of like uh, black people um, during those times and how it's evolving now. And obviously with the movement that we've had now and the fact that everybody can actually own their own narrative. We called out like Munya, for example, as someone that just, Went out and put himself out there, and you know, how do you see the evolution of the content and what's actually on our screens, and where do you potentially see that going as a result of what we've seen this year?
2: I mean, I'm I'm, I'm super hopeful. Um, there was a lot of black shows that were pitched to channels that didn't take off, and um, that people are now repitching because of the time and the movement. Um, there's you know I personally um with the support of my exec I've pitched three new shows um which he's fully supported um and we're going into kind of like chats with talent and hopefully Ooh. they take off
3: Liv sorry sorry to cut you yeah, because when you say pitch I feel like it's similar to what we would do in our industry is it literally you just like presenting a deck of like this is what I I would love to do this is why I think it would work or like just interested to see that small process
2: Yeah, so basically what we have, we have what we call top lines. So I will go to my exec and I'll say, right, I've got these three TV show ideas. And he'll go, all right, Olivia, send me a top line of each three. So the top line will be kind of like show in the jungle about so-and-so beer grills. And you'll just kind of say who the talent is and that kind of thing. He then will either go, yeah, I like it or no, there's nothing in it. So he then said to me, yeah, actually, I like it. Um, so then I basically, he said, right, okay, you've suggested this. Um, cause one of them I've ex- I've, is like a, without giving it away, one of them is like a challenge. And he's basically said, right, do some research and what we call work it up. So like work it up for me. Um, so I then work it up and kind of provide, like, if I'm saying, for example, the Amazon jungle is the biggest rainforest and that's why I want to do it in the Amazon. He wants evidence to support that it is the biggest okay. one and people okay. that have visited it. So I'll then work what I'll do, work it up. And then he'll basically take what he thinks is good and then if it's led by Bear Grylls he will then say okay cool let's approach Bear Grylls with this idea and just have a chat to him and feel it out because when you talk to talent sometimes they've got ideas of things that they want to mm. use that you've not even thought of mm. um, but you always need the support of your exec who's got that weight and that experience to tell you if that idea is going to work and and mm. to kind of put that forward um, so we're currently in the process of kind of approaching said talent that I've suggested We'll then hopefully have a conversation with them. Hopefully they'll like the idea. And then we then do a deck. So once they're on board, we'll then do a deck. The exec will take that to the commissioner. And then the commissioner will basically say, yeah, you can make it. This is how much money we're going to give you. This is how many parts it's going to be. And then the show will then go into production and jobs will be advertised. and Then it will start. Okay. So it's quite a process. It's
4: Mm -hmm. quite a process. Then, oh, sorry. I mean, just one last one and then I'm kind of to... so with with that and the more talent that's being pitched then uh what impact do you think that's going to have on like uh or what impact would you hope it would have on our community so we obviously saw the reaction to um the untimely death of like Chadwick Bozeman and kind of like what that you know little kids actually had a superhero to look up to and 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 things like that but uh do you think it's going to impact a wider area, I'm talking about like education, because I think one thing that I noticed was through uh, BLM, we saw uh, people actually looking up statues and actually what the story behind the statue was, or you know, the lyrics to old uh, Lang Syne or whatever it was, like actually looking up the lyrics, I'm, re- I'm actually realizing what they were taught at school is actually not gospel. So I'm just curious, like, you know, when we see more black content out there, what, what kind of impact do you perceive that this could have?
2: on Black shows, so for example, I'm doing kind of a Black History special Um, at the moment and I think what was really important in the conversation and the transparency of that conversation was for me it's really important that as black people we are not thought of in the proximity to our suffering and that when we're creating this content we're not on a trauma safari you know and that it's it's important that we also express black people doing other things like we can do cooking shows we can do comedy we can be happy Mm -hmm. and I think if we get you know it's it's easy to say oh more black talent because when we say talent that's on screen you know mm. I think what's important and that we really need to push is alongside on screen talent is people like me behind the screens because yes. when you've got Tell people them, like no, but, do you know what I mean though when you've got Hell people damn. like me behind the screens I yes. can go to my exec and say this is an upcoming talent for example you know Mo the comedian I can say this is an upcoming talent he's really big within our community. Do you like him? Can yes. we give him his own show? And, you know, when you've got younger millennials with it, you know, behind the screens, you've got people like me that can really suggest them to the exec and put them on the radar, yeah. you know, because we have, let's be honest, we've got old middle-class white men telling us what we should be watching, Yeah, you know? And unless, you know, we have more ethnic talent behind the screen to bring these people to light. People like Mo the Comedian, you know, don't get their own show. That's why you you have to have so much respect for Peter Fincham. So Peter Fincham is the CEO of um, Expectation Entertainment. So Expectation launched. um, Peter Fincham is the ex-exec of Thames that make X Factor. And when he started the company, he basically, you know, took the risk and did the big nasty show. And then off the spin-off show of that, the latest show also got made under expectation and you know he won a BAFTA. But you need people like Peter Finchin mm. that are gonna be in touch with the youth and are gonna give people like Mo the comedian, you know, their own show. Right.
1: <laughs> um on that on that big nasty one, like did they I, I can't remember if I saw it properly. Um but Nasi was talking about it recently and I think they didn't even want to pay him properly in the, in the first place. I think getting black talent is one thing, but actually paying them their dues as well is very important because as you're seeing right now, we are like the the main drivers of the culture. You know what I mean? And especially people like ourselves that, as you said, are in these organizations. We are very important to bringing people into, into these worlds and into these industries. So I just feel like you know, like it's it's all well and good getting us in there and in the door, but also pay us our peas, man. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, yeah
2: I, just... I think I think the big nasty show was 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 tricky because yeah. um, obviously, like I've, Nathan's his manager, so like we we actually pitched a separate idea. So I've worked with Nathan kind of before, um, and he's got a really good team around him. But I think first of all, what I will say is numbers wise. Um, Big Nasty show did the biggest numbers that Channel 4 has ever seen mm. on an 18 to 30 audience yeah. in, I think, almost 10 years. Wow. Um, so it's important to give him respect where that's yeah, due. Wh- whatever you think of Big Nasty, his show did absolute bits. Um, paid a um, piece. So that's the first thing. The second thing, I think, obviously it was a risk for Channel 4. Let's be honest, the only channel that we're going to take that risk was Channel 4. <laughs> um, and I think it was difficult because I think, they, they did heavily censor what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, you know, what we're allowed and what we're not allowed. And I think because they were taking that risk, they, you know, they were on edge, you know, oh, we've taken this show, like, you know, should we, should we let him say that? Is that okay to say? But, you know, at the same time, it was post-Watershed. It was 10pm, you know? Mm-hmm. You can get all that swearing. It's not a problem, you know? Channel 4 have got people, that, you know, doing naked attraction with their dicks hanging out. You know, <laughs> why can't he swear? Facts. You know, so it's, it's it's. I think he was not the necessarily palatable black that people were used to. And I think it took chain, you know, time to create that chain. But, you know, whatever people want to say about Big Nasty, he did absolute bits, absolute numbers. And the show did really well for Channel 4. Mm.
5: Yeah, shout out to Nasty. And um, you raised a good point, uh, Liv, about, um, about people like Peter Fincham, I think you spoke about about him taking risk. So um, how long do you think he'll, how long do you think you'll be pitching to him about four black boys in Amsterdam who started a wildly successful (laughs) podcast? Tell them again. Tell them again. Doing a a, a, a flying award documentary, (laughs) you know. Come on. What what we said.
2: You know what it is? And I say this, right? I think people, people don't realise, like, TV because people go when am I going to get my own TV show? Like when, oh look,
1: this is this is the, this is the letdown right here. No, it's not. Listen to it. Listen to it. Listen to
2: it.
3: Here no, go, for example,
2: right? Let's say we're making an observ- right observational documentary, before. right? No, no. If I'm telling your story, yeah, like if I'm pitching it to the whole nation. Mm-hmm. What does the nation relate to you about? We get that you're from Amsterdam, totally, but has some, I I know it sounds really bad, but has something tragic happened? Do you see what I'm saying? Like, for example, so Captain Tom Moore, right? He started walking, he was 100 years old, he was a war veteran. Do you know what I mean? He started walking for charity, he raised the most amount of money for NHS. Like, that gives him a story. Like, although your story is like Amsterdam, it needs to be kind of a relatable story to England, you know that we can pitch that makes you that people go. Actually, there's four guys from Amsterdam, but you know I, th- there needs to be I, some I, kind of clout to the show. I got a pitch right here. I
5: got a pitch right here. Pitch it, baby. I pitch it, my, baby. I, had, I, had two it, things. Baby. <laughs> I missed my flight. You know, you have the classic TV airport scene, right? Where like Rachel and Ross. I missed my flight for <laughs> my first job interview. Stephen came to Amsterdam with nothing but a wad of cash and moved six times in like three weeks. So already you're like, oh my gosh, have they made the right move? They're already like, there already is the classic <laughs> disequilibrium that your TV show needs. And now this is the equilibrium when we're flourishing. And then, but you know, whilst our, whilst our stock is rising, there's still trials and tribulations, there's still like infighting, there's still rumors, there's, there's bear drama. But anyway, so, there's
4: no like to say in, this. by the way, guys. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, do say that. No, <obviously>, yeah, <laughs> yeah for yeah, PR, yeah. PR, luck. <laughs> Listen, give me some no. more. Unless, no. unless you want it to be like reality, like Love Island vibes. No, but no, like, no. No. if you want it to be no, like no, no. factual television, like, I need a bit, we need a bit more.
5: Tear needs to work it up, needs yeah, to so, so work it up. Okay, yeah. So, Liv, if you were in pitch. the
4: chair, you're not turning around for us, basically.
2: You know what I'm saying, right? It's. I'm an assistant producer, yeah? It's a process till I'm commissioner. All
3: right, say no more. Couple years, we got this. We're let's there, let's there, wait right,
2: till I'm commissioner, there. see if you got some more stuff we'll, to we'll give me, business. and then we'll, we'll, you know, I'm not saying no. Mm-hmm. Let's revisit this. I've heard it live let's, here, no, everyone.
3: I, I, ladies
4: I, see, I see
1: you, Liv, I see you. I
4: see eight you. months, eight so months. What, I'll
5: see you in eight you months. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um,
4: so no, what... <laughs> We're, we're what what actually, I'm hearing is slick. that we've got a bit of time to get some trauma under our belts. So no, not uh, necessarily come. trauma,
2: but like storytelling. Like, what is what is exceptional about you? Why I should watch you? What Excuse have you done? Me. Have Excuse you created? You know, did you have a? a you know, you had a a, a life. Of, I know this is typical black people, but not necessarily. But like, did you have a life of crime and you turned it around and created like one of the biggest charities and uh. stopped.
1: Is that what you... But you just said earlier on that you want to stop like putting out (laughs) into the world all of this trauma. Some examples, some examples. Black trauma. A trauma. This is black joy right here in front of you, baby.
2: The joy is what he's (laughs) overcome and what he's made for himself now and the legacy that he leaves. Like, you don't need a bit more time for a legacy.
3: We'll work honestly, on it, honestly, this isn't working. about us, it's about you. This yeah, yeah, is about you. facts, facts. This is about you. I feel like I'm, I'm in you.
2: the hot seat, man. Yes. I'm feeling really stressed. No, no. <laughs>
5: that's very
2: nice
5: hot seat. <laughs> we just want to speak of obviously, Black History Month, and this is Forever Forward. Um, you talk about your experiences beforehand, but how have your experiences, how has your experience as a black woman shaped you, like, overall, and you and your persona? Um. Ooh, that's a
2: tough one. I think every single... Let down that I got shaped me to where I am. And I think it's also really important, you know, as an assistant producer and obviously moving forward as a producer, is I have done all of the roles beneath me. Do you know what I mean? I haven't skipped the queue, I've done the runner, you know, I've done the researcher. And for me, you know, i always remember I don't know if you know Sandy Toxford, she used to be in the Great British Bake Off, and I worked on Bake Off, and I was a runner, and I was getting her teas and coffees. And she had a conversation with me and said, like, what do you want to do? Like, and I said, oh, I've got a biomedical science degree. And she was like, listen, you're smart. I can tell you're going to do great things. She didn't need to talk to me. She didn't even need to acknowledge me. And I think, you know, there were people that, you know, when I was a runner that didn't even talk to me, that didn't even give me the time of day. And I always remember that. And I think as you move up the ladder, it's always really important to remain grounded Mm -hmm. and to provide that support below you. because. When I was stepping up to be a researcher, I was really, really struggling. And there was a black guy that I'd worked with that I messaged on Facebook. Um, if he's listening now, I want him to know that it's him, but he'll know. Um, and I basically messaged him and I said, listen, I'm really struggling. You know, how can I how can I make this step up to researcher? Like, you you know, you're an assistant producer. Like, how did you do it? And he aired it. He read it. He aired it. He didn't reply. All of now, he's not replied. Never what? And yeah, he aired it, didn't reply. And you know what's really hilarious now? We're both assistant producers. <laughs> so you you never know who's coming behind you, and you never know how quickly they're coming behind you. So it's it's always important for me to to give back because you know when somebody that I treated like shit as a runner is my boss, it's awkward. Hello, you know, and I think that's what people forget.
4: No, you can you can never you can never forget that because as you're going up the ladder, if you ever, should ever fall, all those people that you stunned on, you're gonna meet them on the on the way down. So I think that's a real, real important one. And it's like people like uh, like Moira, she 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 obviously reached out to you and uh, helped you out. So I think it's really important. That's how we can grow the community. We we can't once we make it can't lift up the drawbridge and just say forget everybody. So I think that's really important lesson to take away.
3: Um, the one question that we, we've been asking everyone as well, Liv, is um, a really open one, but just curious to get your thoughts. It's like, how do you, or what do you enjoy or love the most about like the black culture and the black community? Ooh.
4: Oh, that's a
2: tough one. I think the fact what I really want to convey is the fact that there is no one way to be black. Like, there are different types of black people and there are different versions of black. And I think a lot of the time people categorise us all under, you know, one, you know, one bubble. Um, I think for me, I think there's there's joy in the struggle. I don't know if everybody, you know, agrees that. But for me, like, it's it's important to struggle so that when it gets when you get there it wasn't easy it wasn't handed to you you're you're grateful to be there you're on your toes you're working hard you know and i think there's there's beauty in pain and i think as a black community you know through the the harshest of circumstances we always find a way to find joy we always find a way to see the brighter side and i think as a as a community you know we don't ever there's no such thing as no it's you know we're constantly fighting we're constantly you know, trying to, to better ourselves, you know, as a community. And I think we've done some incredible things. I mean, you know, there's a woman called Elizabeth Anionru who was a nurse and basically created like the first ever, she was the first ever sickle cell specialist nurse. Mm, wow. Um There was, nobody even knew anything about sickle cell. Um And because of her and the work that she's done now, every single black child will be screened for sickle cell. And that is the legacy, you know, that Crazy. that she leaves. You know, and she when she first came as a black nurse, she had racism. People didn't want mm. to be there. People didn't get why she was there. And she persevered on. And I'm sure, like you know, everybody from you know West African heritage that suffers from sickle cell now, you know, I don't think everybody realizes, but it's because of that one woman why they are where they are now. Why they've got the healthcare that they have now. That one woman did that.
3: Wow, mad.
1: amazing, um, live. I got I got a final question before we 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 wrap this up. Um, what do you think? What's what's your vision of like? The black community in the next five years, may, may may that be in TV or just the community in general. Like, what would you like to see? What What do you have in mind? Where Where do you see us going?
2: Uh, I think TV in TV wise, um, we've got about five black commissioners, and they've all been black commissioners in the past.
3: Five out of how many? Sorry, live roughly like
2: fifty across all channels um and they did you know they did a conference and they basically said if you'd have tried to make this panel five years ago you wouldn't have been able to make it you know so they've all been in their job kind of less than five years so if i say how do i see this going forward the way that i see this going forward is that we you know we're not the first black person to do this the first black person to that that isn't a statement that is you know Karen or yaf or kwame or steven has achieved it not Stephen is the first you know i i want us to stop being first i want it to be completely acceptable i want us to have the option to do that i want to see diversity across commissioning um of of across all channels and i really want us to start having some television that is representative you know i want us to go into you know a netflix model you don't watch sex education and go you know there's one black guy there's one asian you know you've got all cross sectional you've got a black guy that's gay you know you don't look for diversity on netflix it's there mm. you've got something to watch you've got something that relates and i think if if across channels we can all start to do what netflix do, does so that it's normalized i think we're really going to get you know what we need
1: yeah, that's, a, that's an awesome, that's an awesome answer, man. Honestly, um, Liv Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, Thanks um, for having me. It is a sick conversation. Um, yeah, it's been a long overdue. Thank you for coming. Um, just want to say, yeah, say that. Obviously, we're gonna. I don't know where fucking Kwame is right now.
3: Yeah, the, it was. It was such a powerful answer that it just locked off Kwame's laptop, brother. <laughs> Kwame's gone, bro. For reference, if you're listening to this and you're not watching it, uh, Kwame, just Kwame just disappeared off. like five minutes ago and. I personally had to do my best To hold it together You guys did really well You guys did really well I don't oh, know how everyone Kept a straight I was face
2: la- I was dead, like, <laughs> What
3: happened here bruv
1: Where's has- Where's has Kwame gone I saw so, Yaf yeah, laughing
4: And I was like oh, Not I'm gonna laugh I'm not to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Kwame's going to start The future where is he?
2: today he He's, not He's gone back we're back to we're back that's to it. for the wifi bruv <laughs> to be honest wait, I knew he wasn't going to make the whole call let's cool. see what he's going to say for
1: himself wait wait chill show, show.
2: yeah no that's
1: a really good, good answer Liv yeah, yeah,
3: wicked, yeah. Yeah, yeah that was so dope no thank you so much Kwame really missed that answer yeah, yeah nah, really crazy the answer, answer. man why,
1: why, 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 are why are you moving so much so is that so is that your phone
3: Oh, oh my god, god.
1: <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
3: <laughs> we're, we're just wrapping up now Ladies and points.
1: gentlemen Thank you so much For tuning into Our second installment Of Forever Forwards We had the lovely Olivia Smart with us <laughs> Thank you so much For joining us This is the Out of One Podcast These are your boys Kieran, Yav, Stephen and Kwame And the lovely Olivia Smart Thank you so much man Peace
4: Yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Call me can, that AOL dial-up internet man.
4: Can, can you imagine <laughs> the, these times we're out here talking about forever forwards? Your Wi-Fi is moving backwards. Nah, no, see,
5: that didn't land as, as as much as you thought it would. need more alliteration there, still.
3: You London boys are crazy. Hey, come on.
0: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.